Welcome to the Key Wealth Matters weekly podcast, where we casually ramble on about important topics, including the markets, the economy, human ingenuity, and almost anything under the sun, giving you the keys to unlock the mysteries of the markets and investing. Today is Friday, October 6th, 2023. I'm Brian Peterangelo, and welcome to the podcast. Major League Baseball has started their playoffs, which is consistent with the month of October, so we'll use a baseball analogy to consider whether the Federal Reserve is done raising rates. Are they in the seventh inning, the eighth inning, or the ninth inning of the game, or is the game over? So we'll talk to our panelists today about the Fed reaction, specifically to some of the data that came out today on the employment front. With me today, I'd like to introduce our panel of investing experts here to share their insights on this week's market activity and more. George Mateo, Chief Investment Officer, Steve Haight, Head of Equities, and Rajiv Sharma, Head of Fixed Income. As a reminder, a lot of great content is available on key.com slash wealth insights, including updates from our Wealth Institute on many different subjects, and especially our Key Questions article series, addressing a relevant topic for investors each Wednesday. In addition, if you have any questions or need more information, please reach out to your financial advisor. As we take a look at this week's economic news, we'll start with some of the purchasing managers indices data, which showed on the manufacturing side of the economy, there was actually a tick up in the month of September over the month of August, which was good from the perspective that it's basically been in contraction territory for the last year. On the other side of the equation, on the services side of the economy, month of September actually went down a bit from the month of August, but the good news is it's basically been in expansionary territory for the last three years. Then we'll turn to the employment picture, starting with the jobs opening report that came out earlier in the week, which showed an increase in August of 9.6 million job openings relative to July at 8.9 million, which showed again employers' willingness to hire in the strength of the economy. And that's followed up by yesterday's initial unemployment claims report, which showed basically the same uh, consistent from the prior week at 207,000 initial unemployment claims, again, showing not a problem right now in the employment picture. And finally, and probably most important, just this morning, the new non-farm payrolls report came out with 336,000 new non-farm payrolls created in the month of September, which was basically double the estimates, and also revisions for prior months showed increases of 119,000 jobs, so a very strong report this morning. In addition, within the same report this morning, the overall unemployment rate in the United States stayed at 3.8%, which was the same as last month. So both of these readings, and in fact all of these readings, indicate a strong labor market, which might have negative implications for the stock market, because it may mean that the Fed might need to continue raising rates to stave off inflation, given that the jobs market remains healthy for now. And we'll have that discussion with our panel today. So, George, let's start with you. Do we think the Fed, based on this data, is in the eighth inning or the ninth inning in terms of the baseball analogy? I'm not sure if this is actually going to be a nine-inning game, Brian. I think this might go into extra innings the way things are going. I mean, I think what we've kind of seen in the last week or so is that the robust labor market continues to be very robust. I think there's a shockingly good number out this morning with respect to payrolls uh, and jobs and so forth, which I guess is good news in the sense that the labor market is really quite healthy. So the recession call that people have been uh, making for this year is going to get pushed out again. But uh, you know, all things being equal, it was a pretty strong number that suggests the Fed might not be done either. Um, there was a lot of strength, particularly in the services sector. And we've talked about just how robust the services sector has been. I think that's somewhat related to leisure, hospitality, 
and also healthcare, which has been a big focus of trying to get people back into the labor market. And we've seen that in spades this month. Uh, actually, one thing that was probably a slight positive is that wages didn't uh, didn't spike out of control. I mean, they're still elevated, and frankly, they're probably still higher than where the Fed would want them to be. But we didn't see quite this big labor um, spike or wage spike that some people might have been fearing. Um, we'll have to pay attention closely to the, the employment report next week. Uh, that'll probably provide some further evidence as to whether inflation is coming under control. It seems like it's slowing. It seems like it's moderating, particularly in the housing sector, which would probably be a big positive. But in the near term, you know, again, we can't argue and can't dispute the fact, frankly, that the overall econ- economic backdrop is really quite robust. I think you know when we leave it this, uh, when we when we think about this and putting this all together, it to me suggests that the narrative that we've kind of entered into the month of September was kind of one that was kind of predicated on the Fed kind of staying high for longer, meaning they would kind of tick rates up, kind of keep them there for quite some time. Based on the report today, it seems like it might be higher for longer. So in other words, that the Fed might, might not be done, might have to go again and raise rates yet again, and probably can provide some um, some 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 cushion and probably provide some some pushback to the overall strength of the labor market. Because I think that's kind of their, their primary focus of, of of concern right now, which is you know we can kind of talk about a lot of the other things that are going on in the economy, but until the labor market really softens, I don't think the Fed is going to be able to back away uh, from from its uh, uh, policy tightening stance. So, Rajiv, I think one thing that I would ask you is that the Fed has been historically talking about data dependency, meaning that they're looking at data very closely before making decisions. What do you think the data says this morning to them? Well, well, George, that jobs report that we saw continues to see yields move higher. I think the Fed is looking at that report and probably, you know, continuing with their narrative. Okay, the economy is still strong, the labor market's strong, uh, and we're not at our inflation uh, target yet. So it kind of keeps the Fed in play. I mean, if we're looking at yields across the yield curve, specifically the intermediate and 30-year part of the yield curve, the resistance points uh, for the 30-year is around 5%. We're right on top of that right now. That 5% we hit in October 4th, looks like we're going to close above that again. Uh, Keeping an eye on the 10-year Treasury note yield, that has passed through the resistance points, uh, two resistance points already. We reached uh, 4.8% there, and it looks to be going higher. And with the surge in uh, U.S. hiring numbers, the sell-off in Treasuries continues, and it's turning it's turning to uh, an issue with borrowing costs. Borrowing costs continue to move higher. The payrolls report, it keeps the Fed back in play for one more rate hike for year-end. And uh, even with this huge sell-off that we've been seeing in rates, I don't think that's, that's going to play in the minds of the Fed right now. And why? Because the Fed continues to point uh, to that strong labor market. They, they're saying that inflation is still not where they want it to be. And the data looks like it, the recent pickup in job openings adds to the case for one more rate hike of 25 basis points by year end. The issue really in the rise of, in rates across the yield curve that we have seen since the last FOMC meeting is that it's kind of doing the work for the Fed. I mean, if you see the, the way these rates have surged since the last FOMC meeting, it's pretty much adding another rate hike even with, without the Fed doing that. And I think that that could work to slow down the economy. Uh, the 10-year Treasury note yield rose by 50 basis points in just one month. So moves like this significantly raise borrowing costs, and you could see that as a threat to the economy and an increase the likelihood of a hard landing rather than a soft landing, which is what uh, the Fed is looking for. If we look at real rates, uh, these are those rates that remove the impact of inflation. We see that long-term real uh, yields have soared to levels that we have not seen since 2007, and they're around 2.5% right now. So what is the Fed going to really do? I mean, we had a lot of Fed speak this week. A lot of Fed members were, were talking in roundtable discussions or were giving interviews. And 
you know, I, I think investors were looking for the Fed to kind of say, okay, we need to reel this back in. Yields have moved too high. Maybe maybe cut down on their narrative a little bit, but they really did not do that. They're not really pushing up against the surge that we're seeing in yields. Fed members continue to stick to their narrative that they need rates to remain higher for longer, and uh, they need more progress on the inflation front. So there are a number of reasons why rates could continue to rise. Uh, we've talked about that before. There's investor concern over the U.S. budget deficit, uh, lower demand for U.S. treasuries from foreign investors, including China, uh, and the expectation that Japan may be uh, loosening or may exit their ultra-loose monetary policy. So that's another factor that we need to really uh, take into consideration. The overall impact of this is that we're seeing uh, rates that are continue to go in one direction, and that's higher. Rajiv, given that environment where rates are kind of screaming higher, where do you think investors can hide right now? Where do you think people would probably be putting their incremental dollar to work, given the fact that um, your, your price on your bonds is quite, has actually been hammered, frankly. I guess that's, a, that's really a technical term, but I was kind of surprised to see that if you look at long bonds in particular, the price of some of those bonds has really fallen quite dramatically. So where do you think investors should be hiding these days uh, in fixed income? You know, we've been advocating for high quality assets, uh, especially if you're thinking that we could be at the tipping point of a recession next year. We continue to like high quality assets, high quality corporate bonds in the short space uh, inside three years. I think that makes a lot of sense. These are uh, very high quality names, very liquid names. I think that's also very important. Uh, the pain trade has really been on adding duration. So we've not been doing that. I mean, think the duration trade uh, that many people were talking about a month ago, that was the painful trade, especially as you mentioned, longer duration securities have really gotten uh, hammered over the past one month. Uh, they've lost a lot of value. So we continue to want to be liquid uh, in the short side, in the short space, in high quality assets right now. I think that's the that's the place to be. Obviously, anything but interest rate sensitivity is going to be impacted by these kind of moves that we've seen in the market. But if you're seeing yield on investment grade corporate credit right now, you're getting above 6%. And I think that's a pretty attractive. So shifting to equity, Steve, what's the transition transmission mechanism, excuse me, from, from fixing into equities? I mean, I would think that equities generally would probably respond to this as a, in a good way initially because growth is pretty strong and therefore earnings could be strong, but it doesn't seem to be the case based on the fact that the market's down about a percent or so this morning. No, I, I, I think when you take a look at what's going on, I mean, the market has historically reacted very negatively to fast moves in the rate complex. So when we get a scenario where the 10-year yield rips by 50 basis points in a month, that spooks equity market investors. And and it has this this has happened historically. There's a good reason for this. Um, it's because levels of rates really don't matter to the to the markets really or to the economy. It the speed that the rates get where they're going that that bothers people. And the reason for that is very simple. Corporations, banks, others, when rates move really fast, they don't have the ability to hedge themselves in the marketplace. So it creates negative impacts for corporate earnings, negative impacts for bank ability to lend, all this kind of stuff. So it creates ripples through the economy when things move fast. When they move slow, the economy, the companies have the ability to adjust make hedges, do things that, that can take mitigative action toward what, what's happening in rates. Um, so this the speed of this move over the last month is, has really been a, a major drag on, on equity markets. Um, and as long as it continues, quite honestly, it's gonna be that way. I mean, if we, if we continue to have these moves where we're going 10 and 15 basis points per day to the upside, the, the, the stock market's gonna continue to, 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 to trade very heavy. 
Um, and you know, we're, we're back down uh, all the way to the 200 day moving average right now. We're, we're literally about 20, ba uh, 20 points uh, ahead of it. It's right around 4,200. Um, the market really knifed right through uh, the 43.25 support line that we had been looking at for a while. Um, and, and we continue to hang out and make new 65 day lows. All of those things are indicative of a market that, that is, is questioning the, the uptrend at the very least. When you look at the earnings numbers, earnings numbers have continued to hold up uh, largely because the, the, the investment community has been very reticent to mark down 2024 earnings. Uh, as you move through the course of the year, the, the forward 12 month earnings number always takes on more importance from the, the coming year than the current year. Uh, and the 2024 numbers have not been marked down very much at all. Uh, so it, it, it begs the question, you know, is, is the market kind of getting ahead of the idea that maybe those numbers are going to be coming down in the not too distant future based on uh, slower economics? So we'll, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, but, but right now, it definitely feels like this market wants to work its way lower for a little while longer, George. And Steve, where do you think there's places to hide? So I'll, I'll ask you the same question I asked Rajiv, which is, you know, given the, the sell-off has been pretty broad-based, are the places you think investors should be hiding out right right now? Well, when we think about the the places within the equity market, there there hasn't been a lot of places to hide lately. You've had a little bit of relative performance out of some of the more defensive areas, places like healthcare, um, and and you know maybe it might surprise some people, but we've we've seen relative strength over the last couple of months or so in in the energy complex. Uh, which still is holding up well, even though we've seen crude oil pull back here lately. Um, and then, you know, I, 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 I've got to tip my hat to the Magnificent Seven, because if you take a look at the equity market performance, um, small cap and, and mid cap performance, um, we, we could use lots of colorful language to describe what their performance looks like over the last few months. It has not been good. Um, and really, the S&P 500 is 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 being uh, elevated by the fact that uh, the the mega cap tech names continue to hold up pretty well on a relative basis defensively, um, and that is because again they have these this they're viewed as having these competitive moats, and people feel safe holding money in the mega cap tech names relative to other market names during a market decline. So. I think that's likely to persist as well. One area though, George, that has not held up very well, that is a traditional defensive is utilities, and they have just gotten decimated in the last 10 days, uh, dropping 15% uh, within a five-day period. I mean, it's almost unprecedented, the type of move that they've had. Uh, so, uh, so you can't just hide in things that are traditional defensives right now. You gotta pick and choose your spots. That's great, Steve. You mentioned a little bit of a pullback in oil prices. Maybe we can talk a little bit more deeper about that, given that things are pretty interesting when people go to the pump. So what are your thoughts a little bit more on the oil decline recently? Yeah, I think that, you know, what we've seen is we've seen oil pullback a little bit here as we've seen some of the economic uh, numbers point to a bit of a, of a slowdown, uh, both globally and, and here in the U.S., uh, but I think that what what people should should take a look at and and really understand is that there's really been no supply response over the last 12 to 18 months 
uh, as the global economy did start to pick up. And that's why oil prices have, have remained at fairly high levels. Um, and when we look out over the, the forward view, um, it, it, you really, it really doesn't take much from here to, to push oil prices toward triple digits again. Um, given everything that was thrown at the oil market over the last 12 to 18 months, meaning the, the, the strategic petroleum reserve releases, the fact that the Chinese growth didn't come in at levels that people thought it was going to, um, the, the fact that you know, growth ex-US kind of disappointed um, and yet we still had oil prices clinging to, to relatively high levels. Um, it's something that, that I think people are starting to notice. And uh, I think equity market investors in particular have started to kind of rotate some money into these names. I think that people are getting the message that we've been saying for a while, which is that there, there's something structural going on here. Um, and it argues for higher oil prices for for a longer period of time. We're we're not uh, we're not going to see uh, see negative oil prices again. Let let me put it that way. Not 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 in my lifetime. Thanks for the details, Steve. And George, we'll turn over to you for some final thoughts for our listeners. Well, Brian, I think it is kind of fair to say that things are being repriced pretty aggressively. And to Steve's point, that uh, usually the faster they rise, the bigger they fall, is probably of course the um, the mantra in the near term. But I still posit that I think things are going to start slowing down sometime later this year. If nothing else, I think these interest rate hikes will start to kind of feel a pinch for some people and some companies, and that'll cause them to maybe retrench a little bit, maybe pull back, and that'll eventually kind of cause things to slow down. So we're kind of going through an adjustment period right now that's going to take some time and probably a bit more pain until we really kind of settle out. Uh, but that being said, I still think it's important to be invested because over the long run, I think you want to have you know, exposure to growth markets and, and really growth segments of the economy that really can provide some purchasing power to your portfolio, if you will. Uh, so just hiding out in cash might be attractive in the near term, but I think over time, you know, uh, as those rates reprice lower, once things slow down, I think it's important to be somewhat more diversified across stocks, bonds, and other assets too. So in the near term, we I would say that, you know, we've talked a little bit about you know, things that Steve and Rajiv mentioned, kind of up in quality was kind of a nice way to kind of put it, but I think really focused on high quality companies, high quality securities uh, in this moment is probably more paramount, uh, a more paramount, paramount importance than usual. So I really focus on the quality trade going forward. Well, thanks for the conversation today, George, Steve, and Rajiv. We appreciate your insights. And thanks to our listeners for joining us today. Be sure to subscribe to the Key Wealth Matters podcast through your favorite podcast app. As always, past performance is no guarantee of future results, and we know your financial situation is personal to you. So reach out to your relationship manager, portfolio strategist, or financial advisor for more information, and we'll catch up with you next week to see how the world and the markets have changed and provide those keys to help you achieve your financial success. The Key Wealth Matters podcast is produced by the Key Wealth Institute. The Key Wealth Institute is comprised of financial professionals representing key entities, including key private bank, key bank institutional advisors, key private client, and key investment services. Any opinions, projections, or recommendations contained herein are subject to change without notice and are not intended as individual investment advice. This material is presented for informational purposes only and should not be construed as individual tax or financial advice. Bank and trust products are provided by Key Bank National Association, a member of FDIC and Equal Housing Lender. Key Private Bank and Key Bank Institutional Advisors are part of Key Bank. Investment products, brokerage, and investment advisory services are offered through Key Investment Services, LLC, or KISS, a member of FINRA, SIPC, and SEC Registered Investment Advisor. 
Insurance products are offered through Key Corp Insurance Agency USA Incorporated or KIA. KISS and KIA are affiliated with KeyBank. Investments in insurance products are not FDIC insured, not bank guaranteed, may lose value, not a deposit, not insured by any federal or state government agency. KeyBank and its affiliates do not provide tax or legal advice. Individuals should consult their personal tax advisor before making any tax-related investment decision. This content is copyrighted by KeyCorp 2023.